Welcome and thank you for downloading the Trinity Now podcast, recorded live from Trinity Church of Weston Chapel. For more information about Trinity Church, please visit us online at trinitychurchnow.com. Now, filling in for Pastor Dave, let's join Pastor Justin. If you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to turn with us to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 1. This is what the Word of God says. The first account I composed, Theophilus, about all the Jesus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach, until the day when he was taken up to heaven, after he had by the Holy Spirit given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. To, the, to these he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of forty days, and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem but to wait for what the Father had promised, which, he said, you had heard from me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is alive and relevant to us today. And God, as we begin to study it here this morning, I pray that you would help us to understand that your Holy Spirit would intercede on our behalf, that we would be able to fully comprehend what you're teaching us here this morning. We love you and praise in your name. Amen. You may be seated. And so I welcome you to church after Easter. It exists. It's great, isn't it? It's wonderful. Um, It's no secret that a lot of work goes into an Easter Sunday service. Um, A lot of work goes into the entire Easter season. Uh, In fact, it's it's probably uh, one of the busiest times of year for most churches. Uh, There's a lot of preparations to be made, there's uh, songs to be learned, there's sermons to write, there's uh, a lot of outreach going on, there's a lot of printing, a lot of stuff happens around Easter. And and so we we gear up for Easter, we get really excited about Easter, we we hit Easter, it's a beautiful Sunday, Uh, the sun was shining, you know, we we heard a wonderful sermon from Pastor Dave, Uh, we had beautiful songs that were sang, we even had a great Easter egg hunt. I mean, we had a lot of people here and dressed up in their Easter dresses and Easter suits. It was fantastic. But guess what? There's a Sunday after Easter. There is. And that's this Sunday. Um, it's an exciting Sunday, I think, in a lot of ways. But sometimes it's a Sunday that gets lost. Because, you see, much like the Easter story, which we know cold if we've been in church very long... Uh, we know that Jesus uh, was betrayed, that he was turned over to be uh, killed on a cross, that he died on the cross for our sins, that he was buried in a borrowed tomb, that on the third day he rose again and defeated death. And, and we know that, and we celebrate that on Easter. Uh, and then uh, the next thing that we generally think about is then he goes up to heaven and we get the Holy Spirit. Man, we're excited, and, and that's great. And then we talk about all that on Easter, and then we just kind of... Uh, Afterward, it happens. Where do you go after Easter? Well, in general, I think it's a good idea that we follow the path that Jesus follows. Amen? Amen. Okay. 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try that one again, guys. Here we go. In general, I think as Christians, we should follow the path that Jesus follows. Amen. Amen. You guys are so good. You're on it today. Absolutely. And so we should follow the path that Jesus follows. So, so after Easter, after the resurrection, we should know what exactly Jesus did. And what did he do? He asked out loud for people to respond. What did he do? He, he arose, he resurrected, and then what? Uh, some, of you, some of you are getting where I'm going. In general, I feel like we overlook this aspect of Scripture, but in actuality, what happened? Jesus resurrects. He defeats death. He comes back to life. He exits the tomb. He's like, I'm here. And everyone's like, no, you're not. And then, <laughs> then they come back and like, oh, no, you really are. And so Jesus is there. The voices thing is a youth ministry thing. I apologize. That'll, you'll catch up with me, I promise. But, but he's really there. And guess what? He hangs around. He hangs around for 40 days. Now, have you ever ha- hosted a big event? Anybody ever hosted a big event? Yeah, okay. We hosted a big event here yesterday, Spring Splash. It was a lot of fun. And we had these big water slides, okay? I hope you, we're going to have some pictures on the website and on the Facebook page in the coming days. Uh, by the way, if you have pictures, send them to me so I can put them up. Uh, we had this big event, uh, Spring Splash. And it was awesome, and it ran from 1 to 5 p.m. And, uh, and it was great. And, but one thing I, I noticed about these events when they happen uh, is when it gets time, 5 p.m., it clears out in a hurry. People are like, oh, it's done, I'm out of here. And they take off. And you know what? That's fine, it's 5 o'clock, it's over. But generally, I have to hang around. You know, i got to wait for the guy to come take the things down. i got to lock up the church. I have some things to do. And so, so yesterday I was here. Our event ended at 5 o'clock. And, uh, and I was hanging around. I ended up staying here until about 7.45. And it's a little awkward when you have three giant inflatable water slides and you're the only one here. It's... I'm not going to tell you I, I didn't slide down them, but I'm not going to tell you I did either. But I, you're alone after this big event, and there's these huge water slides, and you're kind of like, this is a little weird. Have you ever hosted a party, maybe, maybe for the Super Bowl, maybe for some other reason, and, and the game's over, or the event's over, and everyone just kind of hangs around? And at some point you say, hey, uh... It's so good seeing you, but it'd be good not seeing you too, you know? That is, it's a little bit awkward. It's a little bit awkward. But you see, Jesus had accomplished what he came to do. He came to defeat death, to give us a way to conquer. He conquered sin to give us a way to be with him and with his Father in heaven. And that was done through the resurrection. So for all intents and purposes, he had accomplished what he set out to do after the resurrection. He had accomplished it. So why did he hang around for 40 more days? Why did he stay when he was done and he could have gone up to heaven right then? What was he sticking around for? Was he like your friend at the Super Bowl party who just really loves guacamole? 
and he's going to finish up that guacamole. Why was Jesus still there? It's a great question. Well, I, I think to analyze why, we have to analyze what. What did he do? What was he engaging in while he was on earth for these 40 days? Okay, so let's talk about some details of Christ's stay on earth for these 40 days. First of all, the number 40 days should be ringing a bell. Okay? We've heard 40 days, we hear it frequently in the Bible. Can somebody tell me another period of 40 days in the Bible? Anybody? The rain. Other things. You're great. You're all right. I promise. Um, Even if you weren't, we'll pretend you were. Okay? Um... It rained for 40 long daisies, daisies. He even drove those animals crazy, right? Uh, there's Noah, right? Rained for 40 days. Excellent. Um, you know, Christ's temptation, right? Um, Moses on the mountain. So many more. These 40-day periods are, are notable in that uh, they all generally have a purpose uh, that requires someone to wait, Requires someone to wait. So what was Christ's purpose? Why did he have to wait for 40 days? I think we're going to find out as we keep studying. Uh, During this 40-day period, he would appear before thousands of people, and he would visit many of the same places that he had in his previous time in ministry. Uh, He would teach. He would heal. uh, He would, uh, just as he, and share, just as he had done prior to his resurrection. Essentially, he continued ministering the same ministry that he had done before uh, the betrayal, before the crucifixion, before the resurrection. He kept doing that for 40 more days. Now, does anybody here uh, know a lot about arts? You know a lot about arts? Anybody? Good. You're my kind of people. Uh, I know very little about arts. I do know when I was in first grade, the cool kids, and I was in a continuous progress class, so it was kindergarten, first, and second grade, all in the same classroom, and the cool kids in second grade just happened to be really good drawers, okay? And they liked to draw dinosaurs. That's what they were good at. They drew dinosaurs. And I wanted to be a cool kid. Um, So in a quest that would uh, elude me the rest of my life, I wanted to be the cool kid. So I started drawing dinosaurs, okay? And these weren't just any regular dinosaurs. We were not like, ooh, brontosaurus, how elegant. No. These were like vicious dinosaurs, right? The more spikes, the more teeth, the more talons, the better. And one thing I learned, it was a very valuable lesson I learned from a kid named Matt who was in second grade, who was like the the head honcho of the dinosaur drawers. One thing I learned is that too many spikes or too many nails or too many talons goes from scary to silly pretty quick, right? You can overdo a job. Can you not? Yes. You can overdo a job, whether you're painting and you think, well, this could use a seventh coat, okay? Uh, or whatever you're working on, you can overdo something. But, but Jesus doesn't get anything wrong So we know he wasn't overdoing the teaching, but he stayed for 40 more days. And he stayed and he appeared to people and he continued to teach. Now, all of you have accomplished something. You've accomplished something in your lives. You may say, well, my accomplishments aren't very great. They're accomplishments nonetheless. 
You have done things in your life and achieved things in your life and completed things in your life that other people have not done. It's true. Everyone in here has that. You have a talent, gift, ability, skill, accomplishment, trait. You have something that you have experienced in your life that other people have not. You've accomplished something. It, it reminds me of, uh, of a man that, um, that I knew a while ago, the church I grew up in, his name was Maurice Wakefield. Maurice Wakefield, he'd owned a successful restaurant. Uh, he had moved down here to retire, and his idea of retiring was volunteering at the church every single day of the week. To the point they actually put him on payroll to give him something because he was there so long. I don't know if he ever really did much with it. But he worked so hard in retirement that I don't think you could classify it as a retirement. Some of you in this church do that here. You're retired, but you're working at the church two, three, four, five days a week. Right? And so you've accomplished something, but you continue to work. See, Jesus accomplished what he came to do. But he still loved doing what he came to do. He still loved teaching and sharing and healing. And so when he was still here, it's only natural that he would continue to do those things. Some of you are retired teachers and educators. Some of you are retired business people. Some of you are retired nurses or doctors. And and these skills that you have and these things that you did for your whole life that brought you joy, that brought you a, a living, those things are still in you and you still want to do them, you can still do them. You can continue to do them even if you have accomplished what you set out to accomplish. And and Jesus, in many ways, kept doing his life's work even after his goals were achieved. You see, there's this movie. Uh, I'm not a complete geek, I promise. But there's this movie, it's called The Lord of the Rings. Anybody? Yeah, I just, okay, all right. Two of you are with me. That's more than I thought. Oh, excellent. All right, The Lord of the Rings. The third movie is called Return of the King, okay? And the whole Lord of the Rings is about this quest to defeat evil, okay? It's, it's, a, it's a good versus evil story. It's about a quest to defeat evil. And at the end of the third movie, guess what? The good guys win, all right? Yeah, I'll, spoiler alert, all right? The good guys win. And the end of this movie, uh, the, the main, one of the main good guys is crowned king of this new country. And it's a beautiful ceremony, and all of his friends are there, and you're kind of like, <laughs> no, I'm not crying, it's just, you know, butter, popcorn. Um, and it's a beautiful scene, and then they go to black after this scene. And I remember watching it in the theater, and I remember thinking, all right, time to go. I got up out of my chair. And all of a sudden, it comes back on. And there's another scene. You're like, oh, okay, all right, a little bit longer. And then about, it lasts about five, six minutes, and then it fades to black. You're like, oh, that was uh, not as good as the first ending, but that was a good ending. You stand up, and then it comes back on. And you're thinking, by this time, I really got to go to the bathroom. This movie was three and a half hours, you know. Um, but it kept coming back on. It kept coming back on. Right? It accomplished what it set up to accomplish. It was done. But it kept coming back on, and it kind of it kind of eroded the experience of the ending. And here's what I want you to understand. This is different than Jesus. Jesus appearing, his purpose in appearing for 40 days does not change the resurrection. It doesn't lessen the resurrection. What it does is it emphasizes the resurrection. And we're going to see that 
through these next couple of weeks. So check this out. <coughs> Let's list the things that we know that Jesus did after the resurrection. That'll help us out in sort of studying these things. So here we go. The uh, first thing, he appeared to Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, outside the tomb. Okay? So he, he, the angels appear. Uh, Mary and uh, Mary. Mary and Mary. Um, uh, they, they run back. They just tell the disciples. Uh, Peter believes them. Peter runs back. Right? Checks it out for himself. What does Peter find? Anybody remember? Anybody remember what Peter finds? He finds the grave empty and finds the cloths folded up and laying there, right? They're folded up. It's interesting. You, know, you ever know any grave robber who folds up the linens and puts them back? No, because his grave wasn't robbed, okay? He did it. He's nice. He's clean. All right, so he does that. All right, and so, and so uh, they go back. The Mary and Mary went. Uh, no one, the disciples didn't believe her, right? The disciples didn't believe her. So Mary goes back to the tomb, says, I'm not crazy. I'm going back. And when she goes back, she encounters Jesus. Although, as often happens in these 40 days, she doesn't immediately know that it's Jesus, okay? So she encounters Jesus, uh, and then she says, Rabbani, which means teacher, uh, and, and realizes it's him, uh, and then she goes back and tells everyone, see, I wasn't crazy, okay? So, so Jesus encounters the Marys, and specifically Mary Magdalene, okay? Uh, he walks with Cleopas and his companion on the road to Emmaus, all right, so this is what, after he meets with, the, with Mary, he goes and he appears with Cleopas. And once again, Cleopas doesn't know who he is. And they walk and they talk, and they're talking about Scripture. Cleopas just thinks he's a stranger who hasn't heard about what's going on with Jesus. Uh, at one point, Jesus pretends like he's going to keep going, and Cleopas offers him to come into his home. Uh, and, and then we'll get to that in just a minute. Uh, next, he appears in front of ten of the disciples to show them that he has returned. Cleopas runs back and tells the disciples, hey guys, he's really here, which I don't want to bash the disciples, okay? They've been through a lot, but they were a little sexist here, because check this out, Mary and Mary say he's risen, they're like, nah. Cleopas shows up and says, no, he's risen, he's here, and they're like, oh, I bet he is. Come on, disciples, that's weak, all right. Anyway, uh, so he, then he immediately appears in front of the ten disciples. Ten, uh, because Thomas is not there, um, which you wonder where Thomas was, but he was not there. So he appears to the ten disciples to tell them he had returned. Uh, he then appears to Thomas individually. So he shows up with Thomas individually uh, to help uh, with his questions. He then had breakfast with Thomas, Nathaniel, James, and John, Right? And then he promises the Holy Spirit and he ascends into heaven. So those are really the big six pillars. And so what we're going to do over the next couple of weeks, uh, while you're stuck with me, we're going to break down these six things, okay? And we're going to start off uh, with the first event here today. And I want you to write down this scripture. We don't have time to go through every single one of them, but I want you to write this down and read it today or sometime during your quiet time this week. John chapter 20, verses 11 through 18. This is the story of Jesus meeting with Mary Magdalene, okay? So after the angels send her to the disciples, and they don't believe her, although Peter does go and check for himself and sees that he is gone, Mary returns to the grave, and Jesus reveals himself to her. And so uh, our key takeaway from this story is one of rewarding faith. Rewarding faith. 
Mary Magdalene had such faith that when she was questioned or when she was told that she was wrong by the disciples, she had such faith that she was right, she returned and said, I'm going to, I'm going to show them, I know what happened, I'm going to come back here and make sure. And she returned, and Jesus is there, and he reveals himself to her. First person he reveals himself to after the resurrection is Mary. Okay? And it's a rewarding of her faith. I would suggest this as a key takeaway. I would suggest this. If you have accomplished something, if remember how we talked about we had done something, we have finished something, we have some sort of skill, some sort of um, ability that maybe others don't. And just like Jesus had accomplished his goal, if you've accomplished a goal, here is what I would say. Reward those who took the journey with you. Reward those who took the journey with you. For many of you, that's going to be a spouse. This going to be a spouse that stood by you, that, that was with you as you accomplished this thing, as you attained this goal. It might be another family member, a brother, a sister, a mother, a father, uh, a child, someone who was there step by step with you, believing in you, encouraging you. Uh, on those nights that maybe you didn't think you could do it, they pushed you to do it. We need to honor and reward those who helped us along the journey. What an incredible honor it must have been for Mary to be the one that Jesus appeared to first after the resurrection. Can you imagine? The the disciples were all there. The other followers were in the area. He could have appeared to anybody. Absolutely anybody. But he chose this woman of faith. And what an honor and reward it was for her. As she, her faith and her belief was rewarded by this appearance of Christ. So reward those who helped you along the journey. Um, it's not easy being a supporting member of a team. It's not easy. I know for my wife, being a pastor's wife is not an easy job. I know for surely it's not. I know being a supportive member of, uh, of a spouse or, or, or a family member can be tough sometimes to see them struggle, to see the difficulties they deal with. So as, when we accomplish something, we need to reward and honor those who were there faithful and supporting of us. That's the key application. Event number two. Jesus walks with Cleopas down the road to Emmaus. Uh, this scripture is located in the book of Luke. Most of our 40-day scriptures come from John and Luke, okay? So this one's located in Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 33. Jesus walks and talks with Cleopas and his companion. Uh, Cleopas doesn't know it's Jesus until they come to dinner. And once they get into dinner, Jesus breaks the bread and offers it to them. And immediately their eyes are opened. And they realize, this is Jesus, this is the Christ. He then, Jesus then disappears and Cleopas runs uh, and, and tells the disciples that Jesus was there. But I want to focus on what they were doing walking down the road. It says that they were discussing Scripture. They were talking together. Jesus was teaching. He was engaging and building relationships and teaching Cleopas as they were walking down the road to Emmaus. <coughs> I want to encourage you Here's the key takeaway. I want to encourage you, if you have learned something, if you have accomplished something, I want to encourage you to keep 
teaching that to others. Keep sharing that with others. One of my biggest dreams for our church, and specifically our youth and children's ministry, is that we would have a multi-generational family environment where, where kids can learn from seniors, where teens can learn uh, from, from middle-aged adults, where, where everyone can engage and share together. I need you to know this. As the family in our, our country takes different shapes and becomes a, a different uh, picture than what it used to be, it is more important than ever that we as a church pair with families, bond with families, and help them to raise and teach their children. We as a church are responsible for helping to build better families. And that's not to say that, that untraditional families don't work or can't work. They can work great. We have fantastic single parents doing their absolute best to raise their kids, and they're doing a fantastic job. We have traditional families that are doing well. We have all sorts of families, grandparents raising, aunts and uncles. We have all sorts of families that are doing fantastic work. We have others that are struggling. But no matter what the situation, we as a church family need to come alongside them and let them know that we are here to help them build a better family. That's part of our job, part of our commitment to families. And so I encourage you to do that. And I would love uh, to see all of us engaging. It doesn't matter our generation level. Uh, it doesn't matter if you don't understand how to work an iPad. It, it doesn't matter uh, if you don't know who Jerry Lee Lewis was. You have any idea? No, okay, ex- excellent. Right? It doesn't matter, right? We can share, we can learn from each other, and we can help support each other as we build better families. And so Jesus had accomplished everything he set out to accomplish, yet here he is continuing to teach, continuing to share with one of his followers on the road to Emmaus. Continue, key application, continue to share, continue to teach, uh, even after you have achieved the goal. We all need wise counsel. And we can share that with each other and give each other wise counsel. Event number three, Jesus appears to the ten disciples. Remember, Thomas isn't there. This key scripture is in Luke 24, verses 33 through 46. And once again, I encourage you to check those out. So uh, Cleopas finds the apostles, uh, disciples after his encounter. Uh, and Jesus shows up in the room with the disciples. Now notice he didn't go there first. Okay. Uh, he kind of took his time getting there. He had some other things that he wanted to accomplish. But he shows up, because these were the people that were with him through thick and thin. They were his closest friends, his surrogate family in many ways on earth, are these people that he's appearing to now. And he shows them his wounds, and he helps them put the pieces together to fully understand what he was teaching them. You know, Jesus talked about having to die and, and about uh, the resurrection many times during his teaching, but the disciples didn't quite register it. Have you ever been taught something and it just doesn't really click? Yeah. Algebra. Excellent. Okay. The old X is not a number, right? Yeah. But we, sometimes when we're taught something, we just, it doesn't fully click. We don't fully understand um, I used to have, uh, I used to teach um, summer camps, uh, and one of the times at summer camps, 
Um, and one of the reasons I really believe in, in Vacation Bible School as a teaching tool, uh, I, I found a kid, and a couple of kids actually over the course of the summer, but one kid in particular, little boy, uh, he would not listen at all in Bible study. Um, I had some that were rowdy, some that were quiet, and he just kind of stared off into space. Like, I did not think he was paying attention at all. We would go to specials. He didn't really like music. He didn't really like singing. Didn't really like any crafts of any sort. But we got him out on the rec field. And we got him out kicking a ball and throwing a frisbee and playing like hopscotch games. And this kid came alive. And guess what? When I talked to him while he was throwing a frisbee, he could rattle off everything we had talked about in Bible study. When I talked to this kid while we were playing kickball, he would ask me engaging questions about Jesus, about who he was, uh, about life. It was amazing. And then we would get into the Bible study room and he would shut down. Here's what happened with him. That, playing that game, doing something with his hands, doing something with his feet, that allowed him to click and connect and let everything make sense, help everything be understood. Jesus showing up with the disciples and saying, here's my scars. Here's where I was beaten. Here's where they put the nails through me. Remember when I told you that I would have to go away and then come back? Do you remember that? This is how that was accomplished. And the disciples who were confused, you have to understand, they had heard that Jesus was coming back. But I'm not so sure they were 100% certain that it was going to happen. They were panicking. They were trying not to get killed themselves. They thought perhaps there was going to be a hunt for them after Jesus had left. They were bunkered down in this room. They were, it was chaos. And they didn't understand what was happening. And Christ showed up. He showed his wounds. He said, here I am. This is what all of this has been about. And it clicked. It clicked. It helped them understand. Here's the uh, application for you all. There is somebody in your life who would benefit from you as a mentor. There is somebody in your life who would benefit from you sharing with them that you have a skill to reach somebody that I don't have. I'll be very honest with you. I love students. I love kids. I can't reach every single one of them. It's not how we're made. Maybe you can Maybe there's someone in, in your community. Maybe there's someone in your job. Maybe there's someone... That, that you, you know, play, play card games with, that you can talk to and you can help it go from I kind of have a mental understanding to I understand. Because that's a big step. That's a step from I show up at church every once in a while to my life is about serving Jesus Christ. That's that step. Christ showed up. He had taught all these guys and he showed up and he showed them. Show the people in your life what Christ has done for you. You want to know the best way to win a discussion about Christ is to share how he has impacted your life. Because you can't tell me something didn't happen in my life. 
If I tell you that Christ took me uh, and transformed me, and I can show you how that happened, then guess what? There's nothing you can say that will dispute what happened in my life. You can argue with me about what the Bible says. You can argue with me about what great preachers say. But you can't argue with me about what Jesus did for me. So when you find that person, find that group of people, share your story, help them connect those dots to get that understanding, to have it all click into place. So let's recap here today. First three stories. Jesus appears to Mary. Jesus walks with Cleopas and his companion. Jesus appears to the disciples. If, um, if we're going to break this down, I, I have an example here for you before, before I get to the breakdown. Um, I want to share with you. It's a really powerful example. Um, I had a little boy in, in Bible study class. This is again at camp in Bible study class. And he came to me and he told me, uh, my mom is dying of cancer. He was either in fourth or fifth grade, so, you know, 10, 11 years old. My mom is dying of cancer. Why does Jesus let my mom die of cancer? This is my response. I mean, I had plenty of, you know, thought-out biblical responses, But when a little kid tells you that, and they're looking at you earnestly saying, relate to me, help me to understand, help that to click in, I I had nothing. But I had a friend named Caleb, who at that very time, that very summer, his mom was in chemotherapy. And he had shared that with us in a group time. And so I went to Caleb and I said, there's this kid, I didn't know what to say. And Caleb went, and that whole week, every bit of free time that Caleb had, and we didn't have much, maybe had like 30 free minutes a day, but every single minute of the free time that Caleb had, he was with that kid. They were, they were playing outside, they were eating lunch together, they were eating breakfast together. And he helped that boy not fully understand cancer. We're, we're not, we, we can't, I don't have the capacity, maybe you do, to understand that. But he helped him to understand that Jesus did love him, that Jesus did love his mom, and that despite the circumstances, he wanted to have a relationship with him, and he cared about him and loved him. And that little boy, at the end of the week, he didn't come down for to make a salvation decision, but he told, Caleb told me that they prayed together, and that little boy accepted Jesus Christ as the Savior that week. Because Caleb was able to share what he had been through to help this kid understand You can do that for someone. That can be a powerful, powerful thing. And so just to recap, the key takeaways here, uh, key applications. Number one, honor and reward those who help us to get where we are. Don't forget about them. They were a big part of getting you where you've gone. Number two, when we've completed something, don't just close it up and put it away. Use it to teach others. Use that skill, use that ability to continue doing the work of your life. Number three, um, help lead others to that understanding. Help lead others where you've been so they can understand and have that relationship with Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you so much for this time that we've had today. God, I, I pray that we would learn from your lesson, Lord, that we would understand that, that you 
had purpose in those last 40 days, that, that though you had accomplished everything you set out to, Lord, there was a purpose in everything you did. Help us to follow your example and help us to not just skip from Easter to the Ascension, to know that there is more work to do. Lord, we love you and praise in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Trinity Now podcast. For more information about Trinity Church, please visit us online at trinitychurchnow.com. We hope today's sermon has touched your heart, and we hope you will join us next week for another message from God's Word.